Yeah, there we are. Hi, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. Uh, just moments ago, UFC 252 ended. So, this is my UFC 252 post-fight special. What to make of the main event and the co-main and everything else of consequence. We will do that now. Uh, please give the video a thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel. I think all the lighting should be fine. I think all of the uh, cameras should be fine. It's plugged in. It's charged at 100%. I changed out the camera. I changed out the lens. I did everything I could. So let's get this party started. Shall we? All right. Uh, let's see. If you would like to get a question answered... Uh, you can, I always forget which one it is, you can donate in the super chat below and towards the end of the program, I will devote it strictly to your questions. Uh, it's the best place to get them in, okay? So do that, plus uh, share this with people, right? I mean, I'm, I'm here, my, I don't no even said anything. I painted all of my walls because I'm going to do a bunch of shit with it. This, is, this whole thing is going to go, actually, but not right away. But, uh, you know, I'm out here a one-man band. So spread the word. Let folks know. I put a fuck ton of money into this thing. All right. Okay. Um, let's do this. So if you are watching now, you are watching under the premise that we are going to get to results. And if we're going to get to results, um, that means we're going to get to spoilers. And so I don't want to hear any complaints when we do. All right. Let's pull this up. UFC 252 is in da books. Uh, Okay, took place at the UFC Apex facility, so there was obviously no attendance. Uh, this is the result. In the main event, Stipe Miocic wins. You know what? Let me uh, take this off, actually. Uh, I'll leave it on for just a second. Stipe Miocic wins, defeating Daniel Cormier via unanimous decision. The judges had it 49-46, 49-46, 48-47. For whatever it is worth, perhaps nothing. I scored it 48-47 as well. I have to go back and look exactly how I scored the first two rounds um, because they were kind of up in the air. Uh, at least the first one was up in the air. Um, so I think I gave that... Did I give that one to Stipe? I think I gave that one to DC at the end. Second to Stipe, third to Stipe. I think maybe fourth to DC and then fifth to Stipe. I have to go back and look at my notes. I don't have them here in front of me. But in any case, three to two. I had it for Stipe. So, um, okay. What can we say about this? I will talk about the eye poke in just a second because I don't know how you have a conversation without it. The last two fights, there were like eye poke truthers uh, who can't believe the fight had any other outcome decided by any other factor other than the eye pokes. And it's not to say the eye poke didn't have play a role in the first fight or perhaps even a more significant role in the second fight. Um, it is certainly a thing you have to take seriously, but that that is the ultimate arbiter of what was decided is just a very simplistic way of looking at the world, right? It's not very accurate. And even in this one, the eye poke is, like, as the sole determinant, I think a little bit simplistic. We'll talk about it in just a second. But 49-46 um, seems a little bit generous. Here, I'll take this off. 49-46 seems a little bit generous, if you ask me. I probably wouldn't have given it that much of a, you know, only one round DC one. It's not indefensible. It's just a little bit off. Um, but the key takeaway for me was this fight was shit, man. There are times I don't listen. 
I don't like doing previews because I'm not good at them. Uh, and I just feel like it's hard to know like what's going to happen in a fight when two guys lock horns. Like, What are they going to do? It's very, very hard to know, except in the case of a trilogy. Usually the fighter who wins the second one wins the third one. But what you really have more than that is you have a larger body of work by which to evaluate it. And when you have a trilogy, you're usually having it because these two guys are important enough, they are successful enough, the reason that they're fighting carries enough stakes. All this is to say, when you go from the second to the third fight, you're not going to make a ton of adjustments therein. You're going to take things that worked from the first two, switch a couple of other things up a little bit, and that's what you're going to roll with because small changes carry significant consequence. Well, we are all lucky because we could have all gone back and looked at the first two fights, and I did that a little bit, and some of the stuff in the first two fights that I thought might carry over into the third did not, to be clear, but there was a bunch that did on both sides. A little bit more on Stipe's side, which could be partly related to the eye poke, but not exclusively. So what did Stipe do? Um, well, DC, first of all, didn't do half of the patty cake stuff, reaching out with both hands. He was very, very, very careful about all of that. So he really moved away from that, which was a smart adjustment by him. But Stipe, to me, was the one who really leaned into the adjustments from the second fight and even the first fight. So what do I mean by that? It, we, I went over this in detail. And you saw it in this fight a bunch of times too, especially against the fence, although not exclusively. When those two lock up, and you talked about, you heard DC mention that they were usually in over-unders. There was a couple times you had double underhooks in the way that Stipe was talking about, but really there was more times right underhook for Stipe, left wrist control. This is the common position that he found himself in. And sometimes they were at an angle, sometimes they were chest-to-chest -chest along the fence line, right underhook, left wrist control. Um, he found himself there a bunch of times. Two major adjustments that he made, one from the first fight, well, not an adjustment, but one thing he brought back, and then one was an adjustment from the first to the second. What were they? He got caught twice in it with this fight, exiting to DC's right side on the clinch break. That was the same punch that knocked him out in the first fight. They even talked about it on the broadcast. But the real lesson there was he was able to frame off one side, break the control of DC's left arm, and then exit to his own right which is DC's left, which is DC's weak side. He was able to do that routinely in this fight. The other part was right underhook, left wrist control. He was pressing DC into the fence. That was something we talked about um, on Dissected this week. He, when, when Stipe tries to lock up with DC in open space, DC has all this room to move with, and he can pull and turn, and he can fight for underhooks, and he can move his hips and his shoulders. He can do a lot. But if you press him into the cage, he can't really do anything. The wall acts as a second wrestling buddy. Now, it also limits Stipe, but it allows him to um, find that safe exit without taking a lot of punishment, or even better, for him to be the one who was landing the offense on the exit. And they took turns doing that, but Stipe was very successful um, with that strategy. So pressing him into the fence, uh, even if when he found himself in the common position, exiting to DC's weak side, the left side, he did this over and over again. He was really diligent about the leg kicks. Both guys were much better, as we talked about this week, with the linear punches down the middle rather than these hooking shots sort of coming um, from all directions. Although you did see a little bit of that because DC's got this weird way of like the punch not only comes around the glove, but it's actually kind of hard to see because of the trajectory it takes. So like that, like that was a good thing that he kept. Um, 
I mean, there's so many things that he did going back to the body with the jabs. You know, how does DC get that collar tie that he always wraps up? He gets it off of uh, Stipe's uh, right, that's sort of like shoulder length, whether it's a hook, whether it's a straight or a cross, something like that. uh, uh, Stipe was very careful about using it. He had much better lateral movement. You could hear his coaches in every single round implore him to move his head and move his feet. Stay on the move. Um, and then there was a bunch of other things that he added, It was, or at least there was a twist to it. Like one thing I noticed, um, I think it was from the second fight, both guys bite on each other's feints a lot. They were kind of both guilty of that. But DC uh, bit on a lot of Stipe's feints in the danger zone, which is behind the two black lines. So between the two black lines, <clears throat> pardon me, and then the fence. And so what Stipe does is, Stipe is clearly not as quick as DC, even at 41 years of age. DC had the athletic advantage in that regard. But what DC did not have, at least as much, he was doing a little bit more waiting around, even early pre-eye poke. And what you often saw there was Stipe would uh, faint to get him backwards and then blitz into him. Some of those shots would land. And like, why did DC get caught with that right hook? Because he got blitzed and fainted backwards. And how does DC dodge punches? He does a lot of trunk movement and leaning. He does a ton of leaning. And with every style, there are benefits and there are costs. One of the costs of that is you need space to do it. If you get pressed up against the fence, forget the wrestling, but if you get pressed up against the fence, you can't. I mean, you can kind of lean a little bit, you know. But you're not going to have the exact same, you're not going to have nearly the same mobility. So the fainting moved him backwards. The blitzing collapsed the space. Uh, and now he's up against the wall. So he tried to exit and peel out, as, as, as um, Cruz had said. He tries to peel out the corner. You've already lost the battle. Because you are now in a place where you don't have mobility. It's going to be hard to exit. Your exit is knowable because he's coming at an angle to drive you out. And... Uh, as he does all of this, uh, uh, he's throwing, just sort of doubling up on the same side. And I think even DC stopped for a second, like a split second, to try and throw back or push. I have to go back and look at the tape. I, I can't recall off the top of my head. But, you know, some, something where he, like, he didn't just, like, dart one direction. He kind of, like, was, was going a direction and then stopped for just a split second. And he got drilled with a shot. Dude, that is brilliant strategy on the part of Stipe and his team. It just is. So listen, we'll talk about the eye poke. I'm prom- I'm going to get to it here in just a second, but it deserves to be said. Stipe and his team, it looked like to me, and this is hard to be very certain about because who knows what DC's plan was later had he not had his eye nearly fucking gouged out. It's hard to know. I'll say pre-eye poke, for whatever that is worth, it looked to me like Stipe and his team had a better game plan. They had more elements of what worked previously. They had a few new twists. Um, they just they were they were a little bit more conscientious of what they needed to do to win, and what conditions that needed to be applied in order to have maximum success. So the fainting was great, the linear punches was great, the body work was great, the leg kicking was great. Uh, both guys, both guys had great leg kicking. I, I said it before, man. DC was like nearly turning Stipe in a circle. He was hitting him so hard, and that was true in the first and second fights. 
I mean, it was, you know, there's a no-brainer he was going to bring that back, and of course he did. He did not bring back the switch kick. In fact, you saw it from Stipe. That is somewhat surprising. The lack of wrestling on DC's part, again, we're sort of talking, well, even post. I mean, here's the thing about, um, the good thing about striking an MMA when your eye is jacked. I mean, first of all, I can only hope that DC's eye is is okay, <clears throat> right? Like, we, like I hope it's not, I hope it's not super serious, um, obviously. But the thing I would say is there is one benefit, such as you can call it that, if you're in MMA, it's that if you clinch and then you frame and then you hold or you collar tie, you kind of know where the person's head is. I mean, you may not land as clean as you want to or something, but you know, if, if I put my hand on your shoulder and I can, I can, you know, I can throw this punch right, right here. I mean, I'm not saying I'm going to knock you out with it, but my chances of landing on something are probably a lot better than same conditions, eyes closed, and I can't touch you. I know you're in the room, but I can't touch you. You know, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to make the case that that's going to be equally good. So if you could put your hand on someone, um, you could generally do something with that. And you would have thought, you know, he would have done it, but I guess by that point, you know, he got he got gassed. Um, and they were both kind of gassed. Pardon me. It's late, and I'm a, <clears throat> and I'm an old man. Um, so anyway, there was not a lot of wrestling from him for some reasons that makes sense for some reasons that are a little bit harder to understand, but I thought DC did really well with his own jabbing. I thought DC did really well, um, pressing Stipe backwards and then letting the right hand go, especially over the top. Um, when he could, Oh God, this was the one that DC did that I thought was excellent in the second. Okay. So in the second fight in the first round, DC fakes a low single, and you see Stipe, like, fucking eyes go red alert, and he lowers his level and brings his hands down like he's going to down block or something, and realizes too late that there is no takedown coming. As soon as he stands, DC missed the punch, but he had him dead to rights. He just miscalculated where he was going to be, but the trickery behind it worked. Okay, he brought some of that back this time, and it worked to perfection. Faking, low singles, faking, just just level changing really was masterful on the part of Daniel Cormier in this fight. He really did a great job, a phenomenal job with that. I thought more of that would have been helpful. Um, but you know what? Like It wasn't just the eye poke. The, the getting rocked, I mean, he came out in that third round and I was like, I don't think he's right, man. You know, asking Crazy Bob Cook, did I get dropped? I remember when Tim, I remember Tim Sylvia, I think it was the Randy Couture fight. In the Randy Couture fight, he had said um, he didn't remember anything after getting dropped by Randy. And that was in the first round. He just didn't remember anything. Like, he remembers walking out to the fight, remembers getting introduced, getting hit with a punch, and that's it. And, like, you know, the next thing he knows, they're back in their locker room. I wonder how much DC will remember from this. You know, maybe he, he seemed quite um, with it, so to speak, in the interview with Joe. So I guess we'll see. But uh, who knows how much of that is autopilot. Um, anyway, here's the point. It just felt like to me there was a more comprehensive game plan um, than, than what DC was able to show. And listen to the words that I'm choosing able to show 
partly because of the damage DC was putting or uh, Stipe was putting on him, partly because of the eye poke, um, a, a series of other factors. I know he brought up the fact he's like, well, the double unders really surprised me. Stipe was doing well from the from the right underhook, left wrist control position as well. It was the same position he had been in for five previous rounds before this five rounds. These two dudes have fought basically ten, not quite, but you know, close to ten rounds. Um, that position, right underhook, left wrist control, Stipe was doing well. There was a couple times he got he got snatched up a little bit with it. But um, in general, he had done pretty well there through most of that fight. All right, so let's talk about the eye poke. That is bad. That is really, really bad. Bad. Mark Goddard, who I think in general is a very good referee, and the reason why you can say that is he did not stop the fight at the end of the second round. I think some lesser referees might have. He botched that one, and he's a great guy. I, I, you know, I don't think I certainly. I'm sure he did not mean to. Um, um, I'm sure he's going to look at that and say, "Fuck," you know. Um, I heard a story. You know, the uh, the guy who was in the uh, Jan Aldo fight. Remember from UFC 251, Leon Roberts. You know, uh, did you notice he didn't ref any fights after that? Uh, that wasn't a commission choice. My uh, my understanding is that is his choice. He felt like, um, you know what, if I, if I don't have my head in the game, then maybe, I mean, I'm, I'm, these are not his words. I am sort of like speaking in a way for him. But the, the basic point was I think he felt like if his head wasn't in the game properly to make the kind of call that he needed to make there. I'll turn this up a little bit. I'm, I'm sure half y'all are fucking complaining about it. Check, check, check. Yeah, there we go. Um, that he just shouldn't be there. And of his own volition, he decided to go. You know, and I think that takes a lot of character to do something like that. Um, I don't know what Mark Goddard is or isn't going to say or do about this, but you know, I've had a few conversations with him over the years, and I can tell you that he seems to me like the kind of guy who's going to want that one back. He's going to want that one back. That fight, uh, you know, a lot of things you could have done there. You know, stop it and give DC a, a chance to recover. Um, wouldn't have cared if he took a point to me. It's not, doesn't matter if it's intentional. If it just has a tremendous impact, you need to send a message. I know it's a title fight. I don't care. There's a lot of things you could have done. Dude, DC's eye is fucked up. He looks bad. He looked like his eye. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I swear to God, I'm not trying to be insulting. If anything, I really hope that the eye is, can recover fully you know, and heal, and and and, and the, you know the last thing you want is to have your vision impaired in your last fight. I mean, who the hell could wish something like that on DC? That would you have to be evil. So it's not what I'm saying, but it just reminded me of like, you know, crazy prisoners in movies who have that one crazy eye and the eyelids halfway closed. You know, it was bad, dude. It was bad. It was really, really bad. Uh, I, you cannot understand <clears throat> the first two fights. I think that the eye pokes. Um, I think that the eye pokes did not play uh, as much of a role insofar as the outcome is concerned in the first one. And I think that they could have played a significant role in the second one were it not for his brilliant adjustments from Stipe, that is, to go to the body. Uh, this fight will always have, I'm not going to say it's going to have an asterisk next to it. I mean, it's the, it's right. Maybe it will. This is right after the fight. I have to think about it some more, but that is bad, dude. That is really, really bad. And that limits everything. Depth perception, angles, 
um, you know, to say nothing of how much it might be playing tricks on you in your mind. You know, am I going to lose sight in my eye? God forbid, knock on wood. Obviously, I hope that doesn't happen. Um, you know, you name it. Uh, any number of things that you, any number of biological conditions that you need in order to uh, win a fight against, you know, a guy as talented and as ready to go as Stipe, you know, having two working eyes seems like a, you know, a requisite. And he didn't have those. There's a question. I mean, the other part is too, it's like, dude, who are these fucking, I think it was David, um, David Bixenspan had tweeted it. He makes a great point, which was, who are these fucking, okay, so <laughs> there usually is, I, I, have, I would have to ne- review Nevada Protocol to be sure about this, but generally the way it works is that there are two ringside physicians, uh, if necessary, ready to go for any kind of bout like this. They might call one as like the senior one, but there usually is two. Okay, uh, one for each corner if necessary, or certainly after the bout, one to go evaluate one side and one to go evaluate the other. Okay, um, and there usually are two different uh, commission monitors for each corner. Dude, how are these corners, corner monitors, not saying shit about a guy openly stating, I can't see? I can't see. Look, man. I'm not telling you I wanted this to end in the way that like Diaz and Masvidal ended where you're, you know, the guy comes in there and he's like, yeah, it's a deep ass cut. We might want to call it. And, you know, maybe he hasn't refed or excuse me, uh, been a, uh, a ringside physician that long or, you know, seen a whole lot of these kind of cuts. And he and he pulls the plug early. and You're like, fuck, you know, we wanted to see this thing go on. I, I'm not asking for a shorter fight in, in that way. But if it's DC's vision or the fight finishing, the answer is we go with DC's vision every time. You know, Randy Couture fought Vitor Belfort and he lost the title within like the first punch. Did you guys ever see this? It was like UFC 46, 47, something like that. He takes a punch from Vitor and uh, it cut his eyelid. The, the tip of the glove right here, it sliced Couture's eyelid. And uh, Margaret Goodman, who now runs Vada, she walks in there, takes a look at it, and goes, nope, donezo. They rushed him to the emergency room. He had to get emergency surgery to save his eye. That's a real thing. I think the fight lasted less than a minute. One punch, he gets hit. You can see Couture's like, eh. And then they clinch up, and uh, the eventually, I forget who the ref was at the time, calls in the doctor, and she, she, looked, she I think she took one look at that thing and was like, nope, to the, to the ER. That's it, you know? And who knows what a doctor would have said if he had a chance to really take a look at it. They can't force their way in there without invite, is my understanding. And so uh, for Mark to not have that opportunity for a doctor to come look at it and, you know, God forbid, some terrible consequence from it, it to say nothing of how it impacted the fight itself. I saw some people who, you know, these are deranged weirdos who certainly live with their parents. Being like, oh, this is karma for DC doing the the two fucking eye pokes. You're a bad person, man. You need you des you are in desperate need of psychological evaluation, right? And and probably um, lobotomy. You know, I mean, how could you ever wish that on somebody uh, who is prize fighting? Oh, because he had poked Stipe in the eye, right? I know you think that those were the most important things. Um, but it's probably because those are the only things you could identify as techniques in a fight. Um, okay, so Cormier does an interview with Joe Rogan after the fight. 
And in it, he says, you know, he would only be interested in title fights, which isn't I'm retired, but his basic reasoning was, you know, you lose this, and now you're not going to be invited to any title fights, which probably sounds reasonable, although one never really knows. Uh, and so that means he's, he's going to be done. And it leaves a question about his legacy. Um, doesn't help. It doesn't help. There's going to be a variety of viewpoints on this one, and I think we're going to have to take some time to think about it. The debate for me heading into this one was a couple of different things. There were two possible claims you could make. One, uh, is the winner of this bout the best UFC heavyweight ever? The answer is probably yes. Um, it, it, there's, a def- there's a very defensible yes there. Um, is the winner of this bout the greatest MMA heavyweight of all time? And to me, that is much more debatable. Uh, it, it is not to say Stipe is not in that conversation. He most certainly is. And if he's your choice, I think that that is a defensible choice. But to me, it is like watching a very, very close fight where some rounds are going to go to one guy and some rounds are going to go to another. And it is very hard to say uh, with exact precision who it really is. That is not the case necessarily at other weight classes. Who would be the best welterweight of all time if the answer is not George St. Pierre? I don't even know who would be a close second to be quite honest. I mean, other Matt Hughes's and Tyrone Woodley's and Pat Miletic's and people like that, I guess. But, in, I mean, the answer is so obviously George St. Pierre. There's not much debate about that. Middleweight, Sanderson Silva, flyweight, you could probably go with Demetrius Johnson. Um, uh, light heavy is John Jones. And, and so, you know, we'll see what happens at lightweight with, if Khabib sticks around long enough. You know, there are some of these weight classes where these debates are, are frankly kind of closed for the time being. We'll see what happens in the future. Heavyweight is a little harder to do because historically speaking, the UFC's heavyweight division through much of the aughts was not the superior heavyweight division. It wasn't until Pride folded and then some of those guys were pulled into in the late aughts, so what, like 07 or so, um, that the UFC's division began to get better, and Fedor never really went over there for them. For some of these people, that's a bit of a knock. Um, some stayed, some went to right to Strike Force, and some went to UFC and then bounced to Strike Force, then came back. And there's all these things. Um, so the to me, the top choices would be you know you have uh, Fedor Emelianenko, you have uh, DC, you have Stipe, Cain um, Velasquez somewhere in that conversation, but to me, not the top of that list. Verdum has wins quite cleverly over a lot of the guys who are number one, but he has so many other L's and other key portions of his career and not a very long title reign that um, while he is an interesting uh, uh, addition to the conversation, I don't think you could put him number one. Um, And so to me, it kind of narrows it down a little bit to the winner of this bout and then Fedor. Now, Fedor competed, as we talked about earlier this week, in a different era, and so it's like, well, how much is that era as good as this one, and there are going to be innumerable differences, uh, and not and and to be clear, that other era cannot be as good. Um, the, but there are other differences too, like they fought ten minute first rounds. To what extent did that impact outcomes? Um, also, he was ahead of his time. Could he have competed well in this era? I think he actually could have. Uh, but Cormier and Stipe went at a higher level much later. You know, so there's a lot of different competing factors there for for. Uh, Stipe, he basically has a win over everyone who's ever beaten him, two over Cormier. The one he doesn't have is over Stefan Struve, but you couldn't even make that fight in good conscience anymore. I mean, they are in just radically different positions in their career to this day. And so I I bring all this up to say, if you wanted to have Stipe as your number one, I think that is a defensible position. But But the claim 
that it is ironclad, the claim that there is no debate about it, that is the part where you just can't get into. I don't, I don't think you can say it like you can say it about St. Pierre or, um, you know, because there just simply is dispute about it and there's reasonable dispute about it. For Cormier, uh, it's bad, man, because he didn't win a national title division one. He made two Olympic teams, had one where he was not able to compete due to kidney issues, essentially, and then had another one where he got fourth, um, which is very, very good, obviously, but you know, there's no medal in that position. Um, and then he goes to MMA and he got the Strike Force Heavyweight Grand Prix belt, which was great. I mean, he got the heavyweight belt. He got the light heavyweight belt. He's only one of three fighters to hold belts simultaneously. I mean, he is a winner. And yet, at these moments, like, could he beat Kale Sanderson? No. Um, who was the Russian donk who beat him in the Olympics? I forget. Um, but that guy was better. And then John Jones was better. And then Stipe, you know, it's contested. The last win, I don't think people would say is contested. But now this one, I think some might. But the problem is you're not going to be able to run it back at this point. And it's just going to stand up there, two W's back to back. And so what does that mean for his legacy? Again, there will be some dispute about this. On the one hand, he is so clearly one of our best fighters ever. This was an, frankly, this was like a second athletic career. I mean, he already had one as a, uh, a freestyle and um, folk style wrestler. He got into this shit in his 30s, you know, and was just lucky enough that MMA kind of is where it is with its heavyweight division. And he just came in and bossed everyone around. So part of this, this is all just gravy for him, you know. In some ways. And then he, he was a belt holder, but mostly in the absence of Jones. And he was a belt holder, not in the absence of Stipe, but in the absence of being able to repeat upon success. And so um, I think there are probably going to be people who say, you know what, you win those titles, you have these accolades, you do what this guy did, and it didn't really matter what happened here. It would have been icing on the cake, but it didn't really matter. Um, and then there's going to be others who say it's a, just a repeated pattern from his athletic career where he has been quite obviously very, very talented and, you know, competing for the sport's highest honors, but just never able to claim them in uncontested ways. Um, and I don't think, you know, listen, you don't want to be uncharitable to a guy who might be in the ER right now worrying about his eyesight you know, with his last fight being a loss, who has been a great ambassador for the sport. It's not what you want to do. We don't do it out of glee. But if we're going to have a conversation about legacy, he did lose tonight. And you have to ask the significance and the impact of all of this. And so it will not be good. I don't think it's going to be that damaging because, A, he does have that one win over Stipe. And I don't think that the eye pokes in that particular case were necessarily all that impactful. Again, there's probably going to be some debate about that too. And two, to have two different belts, you know, when you had to go down a weight class to make room for your friend to be, you know, the Strike Force Heavyweight Grand Prix champion. He beat Antonio Silva coming off of the Fedor fight. He beat Josh Barnett. He came over here and roughed up Frank Mir and Roy Nelson. And then he went down to light heavyweight and beat the fuck out of those guys, um, with the exception of John Jones. But he beat a prime, a prime Gustafson. And then came up here and he beat a prime Stipe too, you know. Uh, I don't think that first win is a fluke. I don't think the second win is a fluke. And this one, I wouldn't call it a fluke. I would just call it a mess. A bit of a mess uh, in terms of like cleanliness about it. I mean, this, is, this fight is sort of emblematic about this entire heavyweight debate. Everybody wants it to be just clear. 
it's clear. It's clear that X is number one and Y is number two. And you can't. There were eye pokes in all three fights. Again, what they mean, I think, will, will vary for a lot of different people and a lot of different reasons. Um, you've got this guy in Fedor who's a bit of this boogeyman who, yes, some, some of his resume is overstated. A lot of it is totally underappreciated and what he brought to the game and why he was special and that he was wildly ahead of his time. You know, the, all of that kind of matters. And we went 30, I think he went 30 and one with the one loss being the, the, the cut before he got really beat. I mean, he had a ridiculous run uh, uh, up to that point. And so there's always going to be debate. There's always going to be debate about it, and it's not going to be clear. And I think even with this rivalry, it's not going to be clear. But the the inability to revisit it in any kind of way other than what we have, you just got to give it to Stipe a little bit. You just have to say, you know, y'all had 10 rounds to figure it out, and by hook or by crook, this guy won more of them. That's it. You know, or did more to win um, the contest in that particular way. So, uh, you know, if you're a, if you're a DC fan, this is uh, maybe not a rough night. Like I said, there's going to be people. I saw people before the fight and then even after the fight. I saw them being like, you know, uh, oh, no matter what, you know, he's still blah, 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 blah. Okay. You know, if that's the way you look at his accomplishments, then yeah. Like what, what mattered was he has the win over Stipe and he held two belts and he held two belts simultaneously. Like very few. Four if you want to uh, add in Dan Henderson, by the way. But, um, you know, very few fighters have ever done anything like that. Okay, fair enough, man. Like he's a fucking super special talent. Um, but he had two cracks at Jones and he failed. And he had three cracks at Stipe and he got one. It's that, that will count. That will count. Whether you want it to count or not, it will count. Um but that eye poke, dude. That's a ba- I've seen some bad ones. Honestly, I gotta be. I, I I think about this all the time. It is amazing to me. We have not seen an eye pop out at some point. You know how is that? How has that not happened? You hear horror stories about like dude's eye fell out and he caught it and popped it back in or you know shit like that. How how has an eye not popped out at this point? Because. You know, it's funny, like you think about like injuries in MMA, some are common and not preventable. You know, I don't know what you do about ACL tears. I mean, I'm sure that people who are into exercise science and training could probably tell you, but the eye poke one, that, and I think many of you are like me, I am not convinced we have fully investigated the, um, <laughs> the true possible and and real reachable solutions to this. Like, this is as good as it gets. This shit, where a guy is 41 and he gets maybe, you know, I don't want to make predictions, but he suffers a terrible eye injury in his last fight. This is, this is the way it's going to be for all time, really? That seems shitty. That 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 doesn't seem right. That seems like we. Can, I mean, I know Trevor Whitman was on Joe Rogan's podcast talking about some ideas, and um, we talked about you know the the pride gloves and the curving and the whole. Like this is the best we can do. I mean, if I was UFC, I would look at this tonight and be like, you know what? We might want to push the envelope. I mean, if there was any time to get the rules rewritten re, uh, at commissions, it's now. You know, you have you would have to limit your scope, right? Because you don't want to go crazy with it. But it's like, hey. Um, we've got these gloves that we think will blind motherfuckers less. <laughs> you mind if we like 
test run them, you know, uh, I would have a, I would be hard pressed to believe that um, that could not carry some 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 valuable weight. And maybe they don't work. But what, what's the worst that you find out that 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 particular solution wasn't it? You know, you're just gonna let it be. I, I don't know. That, to me, that seems very weird. I don't like it at all. Um, but I guess it is what it is. Let me do something here very quickly and make sure everything is working the way it's supposed to. All right. Uh, subscribe. Fucking uh, thumbs up the whole nine yards. And if you want a question, you can donate in the super chat. Um, by the way, we got some information on bonuses here. I will read it to you very quickly. This is live news. Uh, your fight of the night was the opener. Wow, these two guys were great. We'll talk about it later. Kai Kamaka and Tony Kelly, fight of the night. Good for those two. They deserved it. Performances of the night, Daniel Pineda and then uh, Virna Jandaroba, or Janjiroba, as they say, I guess. Um, those are both pretty deserved. I would have liked to have seen... Eh, eh, I get it. People are not going to want to see Steve. I get one. Uh, whatever. All right, let me check the stream. Make sure everything is cooking. Uh, stupid ass uh, UFC post fight show. We'll turn that off. Let's see here. Uh, okay, yeah, everything's cooking. All right. So let's. We'll come back to this. If you have any questions about it, by all means, please. I will pull this back up. If you have any questions, oh, is it fucking splintering? No, it says it's all right. I guess. Um, if you have any questions about it, donate up in here. Yaches, okay? Please do that. That'd be great. All right. Okay. Let's do this. Let's talk about the co-main. Shall we? That co-main event is something. Um, here, hold on. So, in your co-main, as I pull this up here, my results, Marlon Vera defeats Sean O'Malley. <laughs> 440 of the first round via TKO, elbow and punches. Oh, my God. Everything about this fight was weird. This was the one I was looking forward to the most. As I said before the fight, I think one of the most exciting times in a fighter's career is when they're on the come up. You know, when John Jones is blasting through everybody and then Khabib Nurmagomedov is blasting through everybody. I don't know that Sean O'Malley was that guy, but you got, the, you got a feeling that maybe he could be. We will see. This was one of those fights that was going to tell you if he could be that guy. And, uh, you know, that, that sort of all got derailed. Um, I have not seen what they are saying about any of the injuries. I would like to. Um, I'll have to come back to it and, and check. But the long story short is he appeared to have some kind of foot slash ankle something injury where it gave out. Uh, we don't know if it gave out from any punishment. It appeared not. It appeared like there was... Perhaps a freak accident, some kind of pre-existing condition that was just exacerbated through movement. Who knows? I don't know at this point. Some of you might literally know better. I'm, I'm trying to host a show. I, I can't read all that. Um, but what we do know is it clearly impacted his movement. He tried to thug it out and compete the rest of the round and did okay up until he basically uh, fell over from it. So it's like, here, here was the problem with it. Cheeto, Marlon Vera, gets on top and lands a punch, which was hard, and then landed a fucking hammer of an elbow. I mean, he drilled a nail into his forehead with that thing, and that was a hard shot. So 
it looked like he may have gone out. Either way, Herb Dean intervened. I don't really have a problem with him intervening, to be perfectly honest with you. And the reason why is because um, if you were that injured and you can't really fight back, the fight shouldn't be going on anyway. Uh, and then if it, you're injured and that's the way that it goes and it's not from an intentional foul, then, then that, that's it. They don't go to the scorecards. You just lose. So um, he loses. And so it's like, well, what lesson can we really derive from all of this? Chito Vera believes that, you know, he told everybody so that he was going to be really good. And to be clear, like, you have the re- I mean, I- this is why if you're a Sean O'Malley fan, you can't just dismiss Vera. If you're an O'Malley fan, you want to see him win no matter what, which I understand. But this win would have been very special. And the reason why is because this was his toughest opponent to date. By a million miles. And early on, the the leg issue notwithstanding, he looked good, man. He's switching stances, and Cheeto was biting on all of the feints and, you know, really kind of just watching back there to, to you know, he's taking his time, which was a smart call, like, take your time. But still, you know, he was not rushing it at all. And eventually, he things kind of warmed up. But right as they did, the you could tell the injury was having an effect. And so, again, it's one of those things where it's like, well, how much did it play a role in this one? Played a huge role in this one. At a bare minimum, Cormier could fight, you know, what was it, you know, 10 more minutes or so, something like that. He could at least do that, right? He could at least get out there and try. O'Malley was just basically defenseless. I mean, he couldn't really, he fell over. Um, yes, I'm. Chito Vera has very good ground and pound. That is well known. But, okay, uh, you know, you're doing it to a guy who is probably not all there and you have to run that back right it ended early enough and controversially enough where listen if it had been the Brent Primus Michael Chandler thing when I watched that one live and I was like oh man Michael Chandler just had a freak accident like that's all and then you go back and you look you're like nah Brent kind of kicked him there you know he just kicked him there and then that was the impending result and then he managed to um you know uh, get the belt that way. And when they had a rematch, Chandler won and was the better fighter, but it was pretty close. Like, it was a very competitive fight. So, because Brent Primus had caused the injury, however however medically rare the condition might have been, though we've seen it several times since then, now that the calf kick has become more popular, but still at the time it was very confusing. But if you throw something and it causes an injury and the, and the technique is legitimate... Uh, and that impacts their performance. Tough shit. I, that that to me, I don't think I don't I don't really pay a whole lot of attention to it. But if there is some kind of you know where you're like you're literally apart, you're not even together, and the injury happens and uh, you become hobbled and defenseless and distracted and unable to perform at your best. Not only is it not a very satisfying outcome, it's just hard to know what lesson you can derive. How real is it? Probably not very. That is not to say, by the way, that is not to say that Vera cannot win or would not have won, but rather that the win that he did get did not happen in a way that fights are typically adjudicated, which is the application of skill um, applied towards the, you know, towards pain thresholds and then the degradation of senses. That's really what fighting ultimately becomes, right? It's really not what it was. And so for those reasons, you have to run it back. Um, Vera might carry more confidence next time. O'Malley might feel, um, you know, uh, 
more emboldened to try new things. I mean, I don't know. Uh, it, it may also be the case that Vera thinks, you know, I've moved on at this point. I guess we'll see. I will see what the rankings folks do, but who are, who are so fucking inept. <laughs> who did they have as the number one contender? What division was it? These stupid, stupid motherfuckers. Oh, God. What I saw this the other day, and I almost shit my pants. I couldn't believe the ranking. I think it was, they have Benavidez as the number one contender at flyweight. Yes. <laughs> They've got Benavidez as the number, the guy has been finished twice in his last two fights. And they've and by putting him at one, they are telling the world. I, I know everyone thinks like, I put the rankings because to me, they mean this guy is better than that guy. It's like, why do you think the champion is not ranked, you imbecile? The reason he is not ranked is because this is a list of contenders. That's what number one contender means. You hold that slot. That is what that is. You're telling me that's the most qualified candidate to get a title shot? That's the guy? So who the hell knows where they're going to put Sean O'Malley uh, you know, and Chito at this point? I, you're, I wouldn't even hazard a guess. Maybe he feels like they wouldn't want to do that one again, but I think that they would because I think that this actually elevates Chito's profile. Um, a second and perhaps le legit, like truly legitimate win over Sean would be enormously beneficial for his career, and I think he knows that. He probably likes his chances at this point too. So, I, again, we'll see what he has to say, but disappointing. Disappointing, to put it mildly, you know. Um, unfortunate and... I hope he's. I hope he's okay. They pulled him out in a stretcher, so I hope he's okay as well. But I, um, you know, he's had some some. I think they, they talked about in the broadcast some like lower extremity issues previously, and it was and he was right. It was uh, I forget who said it. Whether it was Cruz or, or Rogan, it was the Andre Sukumtot fight. Boy, those two, they were they were battling a little bit in that commentary booth. Did y'all notice that? He was like, "Oh, he's going for a Peruvian necktie." No, he's not, Joe. <laughs> And, and it was Cruz who was right. Pedro Munoz is the king of those. It looks like he's taking your back when you're in turtle. And then he'll just turn. Uh, Hermanson did it to... Uh, uh, who did he do it to? Obviously not Gastelum, but somebody else. He'll, uh, it looks like they're taking your back, and then they just go the other way. And then they uh, guillotine you. That's what he was setting up. And uh, he, Cruz was right, but they were battling. They were, they were, they were, they were battling in there. Anyway, I wish I had more to say about that fight. I was really hoping for this to be a breakout moment for one guy or the other. Don't forget, Chito Vera, twenty-seven years old, um, trains with Colin Oyama. It, I think I said this on the submission radio preview earlier this week. We got to put some respect on Colin Oyama's name. I mean, he really sort of—I'm not saying came to prominence, but he came to my radar when he was uh, Rampage's number one trainer in Pride. And, you know, Rampage beat the fuck out of some guy and then be like, you know, Team Oyama coming for your mama. Like, you know, typical Rampage thing. But Colin Oyama has sort of carved out a niche more recently of trainers who are not really talented and can do all things. But in particular, groom, um, you know, fighters who are very raw and then develop them through their 20s, you know. That kind of a thing, like Chito Vera is a perfect example of that, but many fighters, you could say that about him. He's very good at that. Very gifted. Very talented. Um, and Chito is, is, is very good. It's just that this win is highly contested, I think is a good way to put it. Um, let's go to some of these other results here, and again, we'll get to your questions if you've got them. Uh, Rosenstrike, defeating JDS. Dude, this was so crazy to me. 
You give JDS space and time, and by the way, enough space equals time, right? Because it takes time to to uh, negotiate that distance. So if you go far enough away, it just by default becomes both of them. But anyway, if he has enough space and enough time, dude, he's going to be able to do a lot of things. He's going to have escape angles. He's going to be able to feint you backwards. He's going to be able to go to the body and like L-step and the whole nine yards. And that's basically what he was doing. It's like, dude, what was the lesson from anybody who has beaten JDS recently? You have to get in his face because it's the same thing. Well, it's not the same thing, but the same rule-ish applies from Cormier to JDS. The defense and the lateral movement goes away or at a bare minimum is badly constricted when you really push them back in that way. It is very, very constricted. And so as a consequence, once he did that, uh, fainted right and then fainted, I think, left and then went to the right again and then just polished him off uh, with, with those punches. So between the fainting backwards, the, the, the hardcore forward pressure um, into him, and then at that point it was just academic. Did you guys notice he was doing that like um, inside leg kick and then he would skip into him as he did it like as a way to negotiate distance and then throw a punch behind it? That's what Hendo did to Bisping. Obviously, that example is like way more dramatic, but it's the same setup. It's the exact same setup. Uh, it was kind of cool to see. I was, I was, I was wondering if he was going to land some big ass shot because when he was standing around, just like counter striking with JDS, JDS is too quick, too fleet of foot. You know, if he's got room, dude, he's he's still kind of a handful. But you take that room away, and he's had way too much damage. And at that point, he can't really get people off of him like the way that he used to be able to. People used to give him that distance because they were so frightened of him. And now they realize if you just press into him, it's a much more manageable affair. Um, and that's what you got. And so he calls out Francis because he's a psychopath, for old uh, Rosenstrike, and, uh, you know, or you know, getting him next if Francis gets the winner. Which, by the way, we should talk about this for just a second. So, like, what's this going to mean for heavyweight? So of two possibilities here, right? They're going to run back Stipe versus Francis too, or I think if they are interested in it enough, which you know your guess is truly as good as mine on this one, you'd have to imagine John Jones would get the the bat signal on this one, right? And he'd probably like his chances. Uh, Stipe is there for the taking, I think. You know, whether you thought he won tonight legitimately or not, I poke whatever. Um, he is starting. He had a great game plan, and he was in phenomenal shape. But there are just enough. I've said this before, dude. John Jones, his offense has deteriorated. I don't know how this is even debatable at this point. But the one thing that really has not deteriorated, in fact, is so good. His defense is really good. John Jones does not make as many mistakes early in a fight as Stipe does. He he does not. His defense is 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 superb. He doesn't get hit with nearly as many punches. They don't get nearly as close. It's a hard thing to fight that guy. I like John's chances against that version of Stipe. And frankly, if Francis is as improved as Eric Nixick tells me he is, you know, the second fight is going to be at a bare minimum very different than the first one. Um, so we shall see. We shall see what happens there. My hunch, though, is they're going to try to make that Jones fight. But, you know, does Jones price himself out? I don't know. We all know the story there. Daniel Pineda, holy shit, putting it on Herbert Burns. Uh, 437 of round two uh, to the crucifix position. 
Cruz was talking about the differences in styles, and it's not just that. It's like, dude, you can't pass. Um, okay, you can pass punching, but you also, like, if you want to control somebody um, and they don't want to be down there, like, Herbert probably, A, had a little bit of trouble getting up, but B, also, like, didn't mind playing from his guard a little bit. Like, you know, there's a, there is something of a trade-off between control and ground and pound. Not always, not, not all the time, not in every way, but there is a bit of a challenge between the two because sometimes you have to really control that person and you can use your chest, you can use your head, you can use your head, hand, chest, and, and, and you know, leave the other hand free, but there are some trade-offs between the two. And basically, you just saw the two different versions. Pineda didn't really give two fucks so much about control and was just raining uh, you know, bombs on him. And then Pineda, excuse me, Herbert uh, was trying to really sort of flatten him, control him, underhook, cross face, the whole kind of thing. Not a whole lot of ground and pound to be shown for it. Man, let me tell you something. That reversal that Pineda hit where he is trying to scoot his hips out to the side, knowing that the mount is coming. I mean, that's where, that, that, is, that is always going to be the transition. It's if, if someone has your back and then you create asymmetry, right? So you're, they're no longer here and now they're here and then they're kind of here. They're trying to beat your hips. They're trying to beat your knee. They're trying to beat your foot, your knee, and your hips. They're trying to beat all kinds of stuff. They're trying to get their shoulder blades to the mat. You know if that happens, mount is coming. And so what he did was he actually posted, I think, either on a hand or an elbow, and then he framed on this side and then just, but he timed it perfectly and then just said, I want it more. It was it was a combination of timing and technique and kind of like, you know, at the same time. It was great. It was great. Um, yeah, people have asked, how do you get out of the crucifix? I don't have a good answer for you. The only way I've ever seen been taught is that if you are underneath, if they're, as long as they have, you know, um, as long as they're perpendicular, you're, you're screwed. You have to take away the perpendicular angle. And so the way to do that is to try and slide, um, your legs as close to theirs and then take your far leg pull in their nearest leg, and now they're in half guard. And then from half guard, you can actually begin to regard. In fact, that's a common technique people seem to do from side when they uh, have various issues. It's just one leg comes over and pulls the other one right back in. Um, it's a common thing. Just It's just being applied to uh, crucifix. Uh, Marab the Wallach, or the Wallach Wheelie defeating John Dodson. John Dodson didn't do Like, what were the numbers on John Dodson? And I was talking to someone about this online, and they were like, you know, he, oh, he always fights this way. True, but this was like a particularly bad example, and it's getting worse over time. He's just not pulling the trigger. And I'm not saying that he's shot, because this is not even the right weight class that he's fighting in, but the sign of a shot fighter is one who just doesn't throw. Um, okay, so what are his numbers normally for John Dodson? Okay, strikes landed per minute, 3.30, which is not high, but it's not especially low. How many did he land? So he landed five total strikes in the first round, which is well below his average. He landed, um, so he should be averaging, um, let's see, over 15, right? So what is, sorry guys, it's late at night. Um, so he should be averaging um, 49, he should be averaging 50 a fight. He should be averaging 16, and a half, 16 or 17 a round, okay? That's his average. He landed 5 in the first round, 14 in the second round, and 12. He was below average in total strikes. Forget significant strikes, total strikes in all rounds. 
Not I mean, that, that three is not like low, but it's not high either. It's kind of like you know normal. And he didn't even meet that standard. Just terrible output, and it went poorly for him as a consequence. And Marab just has a gas tank that is frightening. Vince Pichel having a bad first round against Jim Miller, coming back and turning it around. Phenomenal gut check from him. Great performance. Jim Miller didn't look terrible, but you could tell he's certainly long in the tooth. Uh, Jan Roba beating or Jan Roba defeating uh, Felice Herrig. So the three levels to jiu-jitsu, survive, defend, attack, right? It's sort of a very simplistic way of looking at it, but it's a general framework. Survive, defend, attack. First, survive the bad things, then learn to defend them, right? So you're not, you're not really throwing up any offense, but, you know, they're not, they're not going to terrible things. You know, you're having guard retention and that kind of thing. And then once you really begin to play with everything, you can then start to launch offense. Again, this is not a hard, fast rule. It's sort of a general way to think about it, but that... It's one thing to be like, oh, I'm stuck in mount. Like, how do I get out of mount? Okay, we'll survive it, right? You can't survive that skill differential if you don't land a punch. So if you're already on the ground and you're both dry, you're probably done for. You know, if you walk in off the street and you've never trained and you try to ask, I'll make up somebody, Cobrina, you guys can look him up, to roll... (laughs) <laughs> and Cabrinha takes mount, and you can only win by sub, let's say, you ain't going to make it to the end of the round. It's, they're, 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 the, the skill differential is just too wide. And she actually had a really interesting finish. Did you guys see it? You know, the, the standard finish is what? One knee, excuse me, one uh, uh, ankle behind the ribs, one foot, or, you know, the, the knee over the face, and then the other ankle on the other side. Knees pinched together, ankles close to the rear end, you know, and then you lift up. She didn't do that. She had her legs crossed. They're like, oh, you should never do, but really good ones can figure it out. She actually has a method where she can cross her legs and one hand lays flat against the chest and then one goes against the face. So you end up getting the knees aren't pinched together, which will, it doesn't control the center of the, of the, of the lever as well, the fulcrum, but it keeps them flat and you can probably enter that from a sort of a more MMA common position. So it lays them out and then you can still get it. And she was, you know, her ass was off the ground. She was driving into it and that was all she wrote. And when your skill differential is that high ain't shit, they're going to do, you know, because the key is you want to get the, there's a lot of different ways to escape, but the key is to get um, the foot off the, one of the, one of the key ways is to get the foot off the face, the knee off the face. Cause then you can sit up and if you can sit up, they might go to a triangle, but you get out of the arm bar. But she laid her flat like that by crossing the ankles and then ro- rotating out. It was actually really cool. Um, Daniel Chavez defeating uh, TJ Brown, uh, the old Colombian warrior. I showed that to my family. They're now he's their favorite fighter. Uh, Olivia Hanata Souza defeating Ashley Yoder in a dreadful affair. Chris Dawkins defeating Parker Porter, two big ass heavyweights, whatever. And then Kai Kamaka the third and Tony Kelly. Dude, what a great fight! Holy smokes. Um, Tony Kelly's striking coach is this dude named Randy Steinke. You may not have heard of him. He actually was um, Henry Cejudo's striking coach, I think, prior to the last guy he had. And um, he, was, he, was, he, he was Cejudo's striking coach in the TJ Dillashaw fight. That's not how I knew about him. I knew about him because, like, two weeks ago, um, he put out, or at least two weeks ago, I found, he has a video on, or like a whole series, it's like 100 bucks on... Um, like footwork and feints and setups for attacks in MMA and striking. 
And I was like, yeah, all right, I'll buy it. You know, it seems kind of interesting. I read like some of the things about it and there was some reviews. Everyone was like raving about it. I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And then I read it and it was like, like this dude is brilliant, super brilliant. Tony Kelly is one of his understudies. And he was telling me, I actually had him, I had uh, Randy Steinke on my show this week. And he was telling me, like, Tony Kelly's good. And he, and dude, Kai Kamaka was putting it on him early. And then he figured out a way where if I'm all the way out and then I blitz and I go all the way in and now I'm roughing him up in the clinch, he can't sort of whoop my ass at boxing range, the sort of space that he was occupying. But they went to war on each other. That was a great fight. Great fight, man. Really, really liked it from those two. All right, let us take a look. Yeah, we've been going about an hour. Perfect. Let's take a look at your questions if you've got them. Uh, I will take a look at them now, of course. Thumbs up, hit the subscribe button, and uh, donate in the old super chat. By the way, Morning Combat will be back on Monday. Can I get to focus? No, I don't have autofocus on. There we go. I have manual focus on. Sorry. All right. Let's take a look at your questions, shall we? All right. So it says, I love you, Luke. Oh, do you? Let me guess. There's an insult coming. But the last stream, I know it is bad form to derive humor from another's misfortune. <laughs> but the way you signed off in the mishap, I laughed too hard. I was having a real bad day, too. Yeah, I got a lot of that, actually. What to say about the main event? Eye pokes again from both sides. I think Stipe's conditioning played a huge part, for sure. For sure. Stipe clinching against the cage near his corner was interesting. Was that planned? Folks. Y'all got to start watching Dissected. This is not even me telling you, oh, it's in there, and I'm hoping you won't look. I am begging you to go and look. We talked about that explicitly. Explicitly. You know what? You know what, fuck faces? Here's what we're going to do. Eat my ass. <laughs> Let's see. Let's see. Shall we? Shall we, whores? DC grabs the hands. Let's see here. Let's go to Stipe's strengths. Collar ties. Here, you know what? I'm going to put this up for you. I'm not even making this up. Look. Look. Body work, reimagine clinch, switch it up, hang on, here we go, check this out, here we go. This, is, this is the second fight, he gets a hold of him, tries to foot sweep him, nearly eats a punch for it, Gets the underhook again, right underhook. Check this out. Here we I'm just saying, play with this a little bit more. We saw this sequence Ready? before. Um, he knees him in the face. Use the cage, dude. Look at this. In the first fight, he did this very ably. Check this out. Here we go. This is this is the second fight. He gets a hold of him, tries to foot sweep him, which he did in this fight too. For it, 
gets the underhook. Again, right underhook, almost left side wrist control. He doesn't have wrist control. He has uh, a sort of bicep control. And I love this. He knows DC is going to make like a, he's going to make an escape right before they get to it, the fence. So he off balances him here, pushes him into it. And here he can then fire the punch underneath. DC is looking to just create balance for himself because he got off balance. As a consequence, yak, he's able to drive that uppercut in between them. This is what I'm talking about. DC against the fun, fighting the wrist control. It's a much different ball game in the clinch with DC on the fence than it is for Stipe in the middle of the cage. Put him on the cage. Much, much, again, easier said than done, but it's good for him. Here he is again, fourth round. Faints his way inside with the right. See that faints the right? DC puts his hands up, faints with the left, digs to the body, misses, but pushes him back. Look familiar. Fires the right, misses, and gets out of the way. Sequence forces. Boom. Uppercut from DC. One, two from Stipe. Stipe underhooks him here, drives him to the fence. This is 4-11 of the first round, I think, of their first fight, if memory serves. And he's going to be here for a while. So here we are, 408, 409. We're here a minute later. A minute later. Again, right underhook, left side wrist control. Over and over and over again. A minute later, they're still here, right? He's still pressing him in. Right underhook, left side wrist control. But now it's on his terms. So he gets to lean here a little bit. DC's kind of pushing him over too. And so when they right the ship, a foot out knee up the middle i'm telling you dude knees up the middle for some guys Stipe pressing him again once that he can use it here's another version of that and it just makes the wrestling Stipe getting from dc getting up underneath him dc he is able to use it from guys getting from dc getting up underneath him dc approaching him on the clinch uh Stipe pressing him against the fence you name it he has it virtually every certain every circumstance where he wants it he can use it here's another version of that and it just makes the wrestling on the fence line so much easier. So look, you can go through those two fights and you can find some other things. There was many more you examples. You get the idea. Like uh, let's see. Uh, there we go. Oops, hold on. There. You get the idea. <laughs> I told you. I told you. I went back and I looked at the first fight and I was like, wow, why is he... Or whatever fight that was in the second fight. It's like, why? And he did a lot in the first fight too. It's like, why is he pressing him up against the fence... So repeatedly like that and having all this success for all those reasons, it acts as a wrestling brace when he puts him up there. It, it, it completely nullifies the mobility and the, and, the, and the strengths that DC has in those positions and allows him to get out from the clinch and it allows him to um, strike that way. Was that planned? Yes, motherfucker, that was planned. If I can pinpoint that, for sure they can pinpoint that. For sure they can pinpoint that. Y'all got to watch Dissected, man. Y'all got to watch that. I put a shit look. I know I get made fun of for the whole 49 thing on Volkanovski and, and, uh, and uh, Holloway. I don't give a shit, dude. I put in a ton of homework on this. I make meticulous notes. And, uh, you know, I feel like that analysis held up really well. Really well. I'm very proud of that analysis. All right. Um, let's see. Thanks for all your work. Thank you. I'm excited this is relevant so I can allow myself to ask an overplayed dorky fantasy matchup question. Prime Stipe versus Prime Fedor. You know. 
I might go prime Fedor because of the speed. The speed difference, you know, but he did throw wide looping punches, so that might have got him into trouble. Um, he would have been outsized. I'll tell you this much, it'd be very competitive. In morning combat, you did you, and BC said DC was the better fighter. What? I agreed. After this fight, I'm not so sure. <laughs> At 41, you know, I don't know either. Maybe not. Izzy versus Costa promo, promo had me hyped. UFC did a great job with that UFC um, 253 promo. And that it's going to be, you know, at, uh, what you call it, um, um, the 20, it's going to be the 26th now, which means it's going to go head-to-head -head with Showtime's uh, Charlo pay-per-view, which I know if you're an MMA fan, you don't care about, but it's certainly on my radar. But uh, still, should be amazing, right? Oh, that, that promo was excellent. I cannot wait to see that fight. After a career of constant eye poking, it's only fitting DC gets a nasty eye poke in his last fight. Well, you're a terrible person. Uh, this person writes, maybe I'm missing details, but found Stipe to DC versus DC to be somewhat boring. Are you shitting me? That was their best fight. Two fighters that are doers, not thinkers, meant no real-time adjustments. Holy smokes. Okay. Uh, is it time for JDS to start considering retirement? Yes. I know people are like, you can never tell another person to retire. You're right, I can't. I cannot call up JDS and be like, hey, dude, you should retire. You're asking me my opinion. Is that a thing he should consider? Yes. Yes, it is. I poke was pathetic. It was bad. It was really bad. Do you agree with Evander Holyfield, yay or nay, on DeSantos' mustache? Might surprise you to say that I am not a big fan of the mustache. The mustache is the uh, <laughs> the mustache is the you know what is it? The mustache is the flyweight of beards. You know, you just couldn't quite hack it up at old you know middle or light or or, or heavy. It's kind of your issue over there. Uh, although, you know, JDS would beat me within an inch of my stupid life. Let's see. How much do you think the small cage ended up affecting the main event? Um, it certainly helped Stipe in terms of getting close to the cage. He was able to do that previously, but not as much as he did tonight. Now, partly that was intentional anyway. Um, but without Cormier wrestling so much, I don't know. And while he was cornering Stipe on striking, it was, you know, he was still letting him move a little bit because I think he wanted some motion. So in wanting motion and wanting him to, uh, I mean, yes, if he was stationary, I think they would have wanted that too. But they were also hoping, I think, to set some traps for him or, you know, if he was going one direction, do this. And so some of that was a little bit limited. Um, probably it, 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 not, as much, not as much impact as I thought it would. I'll, I'll put it that way. To me, it affected the JDS fight a lot, yes. Oh, sorry, what am I saying? God, Jesus, it's late. I'm an idiot. Yes, it affected the fight with, um, yes, JDS for sure. And then also Cormier, what I went back to earlier. Cormier does all of this shit, right? He's all the way moving. When you get up against that fence line, you can't really do that. Uh, not, as, not nearly as much. You can go this way. You can kind of come forward. You know, You can lean a little bit, but you can't do much of it. And uh, as a consequence, he paid for it. He paid for it big time. How's Cheeto's chances against the top 15? Good. Really good. Uh, top 10? You know, I don't know. That's where it starts, starts to get wild. But can he beat anyone from 11 to 15? Sure. What fight were they watching? DC was phenomenal. That was crap, man. Uh, he was good in spurts. 
How much do you think the fighters being able to fully hear instruction from their corners changes the fight? I think that's going to vary fighter to fighter, but I'll say this. For Stipe, and people are talking about it like, oh, he was able to go up to the clinch, you know, and impress him against the cage. That's happened in fights before. Matt Hughes picked up Frank Trigg and then just ran his ass all the way across the cage and dumped him in front of his own corner. So in that sense, that's not new. To me, though, you could see like when Stipe, not so much when he's up against the fence next to his corner. Mm-mm. That's comp- That's old. The opposite. When he was like in the middle of the cage and he was striking at distance and he would stop moving. And you could, I'm t- I said it before, you could hear his coaches scream bloody murder. Keep moving. Move. Move your head. Move your feet. Don't stop. They were like, I mean, it was incessant, incessant. Um, I think that played a role. I do think that played a role. And then you'd watch Stipe all of a sudden, you know, start to do this shit. Like it was like clockwork. You know, it was call and response. Pavlov rang the bell and then the dog started to salivate. It was just like that. So that to me played a really big role. Great trilogy, Fedor still the goat, and Prime Kane would beat Stipe, in my opinion. I don't think those are crazy opinions. Not at all. Someone writes, there's no denying the significance of that poke. Yeah, there's not. That was a bad... It was that, that is the worst poke of all of them, by far. Like, in all the fights. You know? DC was reacting to a lot of feints that Stipe... He spelled faint wrong. That Stipe threw in this fight. Do you think DC possibly showed a bit too much respect to Stipe's power... He was biting on feints in the last one. I don't think so. He wasn't fighting scared at all, but he didn't. He did turn away a lot. He bites on feints as a general rule. Despite the injury or how he looked before it, O'Malley super drained at the weigh-ins. I noticed that too. Should he move up to featherweight or stick it out at bantam? Way too early to tell, but it's funny you mention that. I remember when he stepped on the scale and I thought to myself, wow, his face looks gaunt even with a mask on. Right, because they all have to be on the mask and do the thing. And I saw him, and I was like, "Ooh, he is." Dr-. And he's already thin, but I was like, mm, "You know, that's interesting." Didn't make anything of it because you know he made weight or whatever. But I did notice that too. John Jones tweeting tonight that basically he wants Stipe now. I think the UFC will open the wallet to make the fight happen to satisfy Jones. Maybe my hope is that the folks at Fight Island might want that fight over there, and then you know, say, "Hey." Excuse me. That um, that site fee that we paid you, that very handsome site fee, it should go to that. That's my that's my hope. That's my hope. Do you have a hypothesis for why eye pokes appear to be more prevalent in DC fights, e.g., Jones, Stipe, and I think Johnson more than almost any other fighter? Yeah, because he reaches a lot. He has a short reach. He not only is shorter, he is at this way. And he likes control. You know, I don't, you guys can think he's a bad person. I don't. You can think he's negligent in a fight. And I think that's a better argument. You know, like, hey, you don't have enough discipline about it. But the problem is, um, you know, if you want to say that's part of the problem, I would agree with you. You just, he does not exercise enough discipline about it as he should. But also, it seems to me that I don't think we have fully reached the end of glove technology or, point deduction enforcement. And I think once those things are fully examined, you know, 
I would like to see what the eye poke problem looks like at that stage. My hunch is that it's not nearly as bad, but maybe that's just wishful thinking. Should you really value such spells of cage control without any further offense being mounted over an open striking advantage? No, you shouldn't. Moving someone back by itself doesn't mean anything unless all the other things are equal, right? And you can sort of get them to retreat or something. But that's not how striking, that's not how judging works. I think a lot of us overestimated DC and underestimated Stipe. I was guilty of that the last time, not this time. That illegal eye poke by Stipe was a big issue. Stipe and Jones is gold dust right now. Yeah, I think we agree with a lot of that. Going to bed night night. Someone said Bill Clinton Stogie. <laughs> that's, their, that's their screen name. Stogie, that tastes like fish. Uh, hey, Luke, what would be you? Uh, would you be more excited to see next? Jones versus Stipe Nganu or Reyes 2. Stipe, for sure. Love your content and uh, appreciate everyone. Well, thank you, buddy. I appreciate you. Terrible eye poke by Ma Mark uh, Goddard. Yeah. It's heartbreaking that DC's legacy is the second best heavyweight and light heavyweight ever. Well, I mean, life is not fair. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something, folks. You know, there are times where I realize, certainly in this pandemic, I am lucky to have every one of you watching, you know, and this camera and this microphone. I got nice shit here in my studio, and I've got, I've got all of you. But I'm also, you know, you know, UFC won't even put my tweets on the fucking screen, you know? And it's not because my, you know, my analysis is off. My analysis is good, and I know it's good. It's very good. Um... You know, <laughs> there's a lot of times I thought I'd be further along too. You know, he, he he did a lot in his career. He did a lot. He succeeded a lot, and he has a lot to be proud of. And he, you know, whether it was first or second, he took care of his family, and he took care of his kids, and he set a good example. You know, um, he's a hell of a fighter. Hell of a fighter. Stipe's body jabs looked really good. Yes, they did. Too bad he didn't do it like JDS and faint the body jab to the overhand. True. But he got away from them later. Um, why? I have to go back and look at the tape. It's a great question, but I have to go back and look at the tape. So it says, always enjoy your content. Thank you. Stipe got eye-poked and then KO'd in the first fight and then needed eye surgery after the second. How biased could you possibly be? There you go. I think, I mean, you don't really want me to answer that, do you? I'll read your question, though. Uh, that should be ruled a no contest, severe eye poke. Yeah, it should have been. Uh, but I'll, I don't know. I don't know if he can. I don't know what the rules are about being able to go back and um, ask the, the commission to review that. So I don't know. I don't know. Is it considered a knockdown if someone is dropped by leg kicks? Yes. Should it be judged? Excuse me. <clears throat> Should it be judged similarly to being dropped by punches and or being taken down? Um, not as a rule, but it could be. Not the takedown, not so much, but dropped by punches, yes, it could be. Uh, it, it, again, all of these things are like, well, what would have to happen? Is it the same as being rocked with your consciousness? No. Uh, but if you are physically unable to use your motor coordination to stand and compete, they might have similar functional equivalents at that stage. 
Jones post fight tweets indicate an upcoming heavyweight run. Yeah, who's his first? Well, if it's not Steve Bay, it better be Francis. <laughs> it's a hilarious question. Luke, what's going on with Joe Biden? And, and and by the way, this person writes, what's going on with Joe Biden? And they literally wrote, and his, his mental cognitive issues. Motherfucker, you might want to check yours. How can he run for president when he forgets what he's saying while he's mid-sentence? Listen, you'll never hear me defend Joe Biden's you know cognitive skills. On the other hand, it's a hilarious argument to make that he has mental decline and to think the guy running against him is like sharp as a tack. That fucker is, you know, he got tapioca in his brain too. Uh, What does the amount of of people taking pleasure in DC getting his eye destroyed say about the general IQ of MMA fans? Well, again, in person, I don't find them to be as bad. Online, though, they're, they're, you know, horrific humans. Uh, DC's eye seemed already hurt after round two punches. I noticed that. Do you think getting poked and already hurt eye made it worse? Yeah. Or was all of that the poke? I think he was probably, uh, it was red and blurry, but I think he could still see. But once he lost vision, like, you know, that's the line of, that you've crossed at that point that is so far beyond, you know, it doesn't really almost matter how bad it was with just the punch. That is a severe level of impairment. I mean, that's literally a worst-case scenario of impairment. Like, what would be worse than that in terms of what the eye offers? The broadcast only showed one eye po- uh, an eye poke one time, probably. DC's eye looked semi-fucked before the poke. Take a look at it again. That's true. Um, it's true. It did look bad before the poke, but I don't think he lost vision before it. Do you think the UFC should stop spraying the cage? Someone asked me about that earlier. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, is it hygiene theater to, to spray it? It, it? it probably is, but that's a hard call to make until we know more about this stupid-ass disease. How much did you bet on DC? Nothing. I don't bet ever. Not out of like principle, just because uh, I think I don't think betting is stupid. I think I think I don't I don't derive pleasure out of it. Are you a fan of any of the following '90s rappers? Um, and I think this is a troll joke, so I'm just gonna let it rock. Bigger fight: Jorge versus Connor or Khabib GSP? Jesus, probably Jorge Connor, but that's a big one. Uh, can't tell if this is a, uh, a joke, so I'm going to skip it. Is DC the Curtis Martin, Hall of Fame NFL running back of MMA? Great stats, one of the best ever. A worker and a winner, but overlooked by casuals? No. No, I don't think that's right. Luke, are you okay? You sounded down this past week. Yeah, I was fine. I was just exhausted. I was working my ass off. I was tired as shit. And my kid... Um, I don't even know how she got it. My kid got roseola. You guys ever heard of that? Something like that? Where she got fever, and then she was irritable, and then she got a rash. And she's fine. It's, it's a mild condition. A lot of kids get it before the age of two, we're told, apparently. But for like three nights, she didn't sleep, which means your boy didn't sleep. And uh, Which is, you know, it's a poor thing. I mean, I, I felt so bad for her. Um, we were able to finally get her down, I think, like Thursday night, something like that. But at that point, I was I, I recorded dissected Thursday night, and uh, you know I was tired as shit at that point. And then Friday I had to do 
Oh my God, Friday was such a mess. Friday I had to do the weigh-in stream for um, Showtime, and there were so many technical problems on that broadcast. It was the first time doing it in the way that we were doing it, so it was a bit of a learning experience. It's not the end of the world, but it did not go smoothly. Um, it, it went smoothly at the end, but there was a, a bunch of issues in between. And then I uh, did my radio show, which was fine. And then I did my live chat, and you guys all know how that went. And uh, God, it was... And I had like... I was sick. I had like... <laughs> I had like the kind of diarrhea where you're like, I think I have cancer. I really, I think I have cancer. So it was terrible. But I'm better now. Uh, as great as DC is, he seems to fall short of making the right adjustments during the fight against the elites when things don't go his way. Based on this, does DC belong in the MMA GOAT discussion? He's second tier GOAT discussion for me. Rank top five self-defense martial arts. I don't know. Boxing, jiu-jitsu, wrestling, and then two other fucking things you can find at a strip mall next to a frozen yogurt place. Um, let's see, let's see. Why are concussions not talked about in the UFC post-fight? DC was clearly rocked and could have been concussed after the second round. Because concussion protocol in fight sports is terrible and people don't ever count it? It's a great question. I don't have a good answer for you. It's, it was clearly, he was clearly not okay. But, you know, last fight, kind of a thing. They just let it rock. Did you agree with the Ashley Yoder decision? Not the scoring, but the, I thought Souza winning was fine. So this person says the O'Malley leg issue started from a Cheeto calf kick two minutes, five seconds in. I will look at that. His ankle was dead and wobbled. Still think rematch now. Well, I will verify your claims. I will not take it at face value. But if that is true, maybe not. What do you think about the normalization of fighters calling their own cup checks? Seems to be working. I don't like it, but... You know, if the other opponent doesn't say anything, I guess it just has to go, right? Uh, can you provide some advice? I don't know what this means. What is promotion before the fight? I always do. My last video I made, well, two videos ago, I think, on this channel anyway, was about the discussion around GOAT. Pro so the one thing you can say that about this at this point, assuming that you don't f find the win to be, like, totally illegitimate, Stipe would be your best UFC heavyweight ever, like far and away. Why didn't DC wrestle aggressively like he said? Because, dude, how many times do we have to say the shit the fighters say in the media is just nonsense? Sometimes it's true. Sometimes there's a kernel of truth to it. Sometimes it is shockingly on the money. But the majority of the time, it is nonsense. Why do you think... How many times, if you have been watching this channel for in any amount of time, you guys know I don't like doing interviews anymore because they are inherently dishonest. You know, it, it, I, I would notice, like, I interview all these guys, and then they go on Joe Rogan's show, and they say all the shit opposite of whatever they told me. It's like, well, why the fuck are you talking to me then? If you're not going to be honest with me, and maybe you have strategic reasons to not do that, I understand, but... If you're not going to do that, I don't want to fucking engage in this. I'm not interested in headline, X says his balls are, he's going to teabag someone's mom, you know? And it's like, you know, it makes to the top of Reddit and, and MixedMartialArts.com and Bloody Elbow writes about it. It's like, 
like this is how I'm going to spend my life trafficking in this this uh, mutual lie that what we're saying to to each other is genuine. You know, I know you're lying to me, and you know you're lying to me, and we're just going to let it go, man. Fuck all that. Like I don't have a time. Come on, I do it enough to keep my job because I have to keep my job. But short of that, I don't give a fuck about talking to these guys anymore, man. I'll talk to the fighters who want to be honest with me. You know, you want to tell me the truth? You want to tell me how you're really feeling? I will talk to you all day long. My door is open all day long for those guys. And there are a few of them out there, to be clear. Um, But, you know, in general, I want to have some pre-fight talk with someone who doesn't want to talk strategy. And then whatever he does say is a total lie by virtue of some other fucking... What, what is the point of that conversation? So I can titillate the, the, the forums. Ooh, you know, you made a bunch of headlines because someone said a stupid ass lie in one of your interviews. Great. Wow. What a legacy you're leaving. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Isn't this a productive use of your time? I'll, I'll hang out with my kid before I just listen to your stupid ass lies. So who cares? Who cares? This is why I mean, people are always like, well, my predictions are already, this guy said he was going to do this. It's like you're basing your predictions of what fighters told you they were going to do? Really? Okay. Why do people call those Kane-JDS fights wars when they were one-sided poundings and weren't competitive? And the, Okay. We call them the Kane wars. We don't call them the Kane-JDS wars. And to seeing how good Rosenstrike's chin is make Francis's KO power even more terrifying. Yes. Uh, do you think the aggressive shifting and hard fainting of O'Malley, Cruz, and early Connor is untenable for longevity? It is so funny you mentioned that. Yes, I do. Or at least I have a question about it in my mind. These guys who spend a lot of time, you know, light on their feet and then bouncing and then landing and then getting back out of it again. What does that do to your joints? What does that do to your small bones? What does it do for the interplay of all of your musco- muscular skeletal system? What happens in there? And you've seen a few guys now where the ones who like heavy lean and shifting side, they're balanced side to side and their weight is light except when it needs to be hard. You know, it's like that, that, you know, that they tend to have problems. They tend to have some problems. And um, I wonder about that. Sure. I think that's a very good question. How, how much more nervous should we be for Stipe and Ganu too? Nervous in what sense? For Stipe's health? A lot more than the first one. What is your camera lens setup? Video looks great. Uh, this one is the Sony a7 III. And this lens, this is the Sigma... No, is this the Sony G Master? No, this is the Sigma... Um... Which one is this? This is, uh, yeah, this is the Sigma, excuse me, 2470, uh, 1.8 f-stop. Uh, let's see. How is Stipe and Ganu looking have a winner? I might go with Ngannou for the second one. Someone says I'm a national treasure. I'm not, but I appreciate it. Someone says, thanks for providing premium content for a niche sport. I appreciate it. How is anyone, what is it? How is anyone under 205 pounds ever a candidate for best ever? Wouldn't small fighters get embarrassed by heavyweight gatekeepers like Derek Lewis? The idea is that if they were all somehow, if you could scale it, that they were all the same size, what would it look like? 
Um, what's better, um, Izzy versus Gagard or 215 Rockhold? 215 Rock. Um, 215 Rockhold. Just got bigger frame. Spill the big news already. Ooh, can I give you a hint? No, no, I cannot. It's big. It is big. It's the biggest. It's the biggest decision of my life that I have made in years. Years. Is Mally this person? Oh, Mally, this person writes an overhyped clown. No. Would you drink on Rogan? Yes. Smoke? No. I get talkative and stupid more so than normal <laughs> when I smoke. So no, I can handle it. I can handle my, my booze. Have you uh, interviewed Rob Whitaker or his team much? They seem really honest and realistic, so it would be great. We had him booked for the show the Friday before the news broke about Whitaker Cannoneer, and they canceled last minute, which was unfortunate. But we are. my thought is, they didn't explain why, but my thought is that because um, of the news. So all's well that ends well. But um, uh, yeah, I would love to talk to him, I guess, if they'll be honest. you know. Bad stoppage by Herb Dean. He often stops fights too late or too early. I don't mind the stoppage. If the dude is that injured and he got rocked that bad, call it. Um, what do you think of Rockhold returning? I don't know. I don't know. Can he make 185 still? Like, if he can't, uh, you know, 205 is just fuck no. Look, for as good of a striker as JDS is, what is it about his style that makes his defense collapse? He is really reliant on space behind him and laterally and um, timing. And he is not that great at uh, stick and move. Not anymore, anyway. How much did Sean's recurring injury factor into his loss? We'll have to see. O'Malley versus Cody. Hold your horses, bros. Hold your horses. It sucks that Stipe's win seems to be overshadowed by this eye poke. But it seems like DC's eye was already messed up at the start of the third. Part of that. Part of that. Um... Let me look quickly. They should have the fight metric results up. I've been going a long time. I want to wrap this up. So, what were the numbers tonight? Wow. This can't be right. Really? Oh, that makes sense, actually. Okay. So, strikes landed for the, f for the second fight between these two. 181 for Cormier, 123 for Miocic. Listen to this one, 105 for Cormier, 115. This is the first time he uh, outstruck him, numerically anyway. Uh, let's see the targeting, 58 to the head, 26 to the body. That's a lot, 14 to the leg. Cormier, 66 to the body. You know what, let me put this up for you guys here a little bit, if you can see it. Let's do this. There, you can take a look. Um... 66 to the body, 10%, and then 22 to the leg. So wait a second. What was it in the second fight in terms of targeting? Wow, look at that. That is a huge difference. Look at that. Hang on. Oh, fucking hell. Let's do this. Look at this. So here is... Oh, Jesus, wrong one. Christ Almighty. Here is tonight's results. Okay. And then this is same one. Fuck, am I an idiot? Yes, I am. 
Okay, so this is, yeah, this is the second fight. Cormier targeted the head 89% in the rematch, 66. Wow. He went 4% to the body in the second fight. He went 10%, so he more than doubled. Still not a lot, but more than doubled. 5% to the leg, 22. 22% to the leg. We're really big differentiation. Stipe Miocic, 58% in the third one. Oops, wrong one. 58% in the third one, and then 80, uh, excuse me, um, 69. So that's a bit of a decline. He went to the body 26 in this one. And then 21. So he made slight adjustments. Leg uh, 14 and then uh, 8. So he differentiated up a little bit. Big change for Cormier. Big change. Uh, again, this is the second one. So let's jump to the third. Let's take a look at some of these numbers here. Uh, let's see. 20 to 14 in round 1, but he got dropped at the end. 24 to 26, but he got dropped at the end. 28 to 16, round 3 was a clear one. Cormier took round four. That's right. And then Stipe probably took round five. Over uh, two on all these takedowns. But he got, DC got the one in the first. No passes, no subs, no reversals of note. Um, what is their average? Cormier's average is, he averages 4.25 strikes landed per minute. So he should be, yeah, well over 100. And then... Um, yeah, about 112 or so. Yeah, well, he was well above that for the... Wow, well above that. Uh, no, sorry, he was right around that. A little bit less, actually. And then Stipe, what are his numbers on average? He's a five, almost five. Um, that's interesting. So he actually was a little bit below, but he, this is the first time he's ever... Look, here, hold on. It's the first time he's ever outstruck. He got, numerically, he had 24 in the first one to 25 and got smoked. It, he totally outstruck numerically in the second one, but won. And then he finally outstruck him. But there, of course, was the eye poke, which is, you know, never great. All right, I'm going to call it a day because I've been going on long enough. Let's take a look at the stream. I think it worked out okay. I lowered the bit rate. The numbers still look pretty good. Um, I'm going to do some more posting tomorrow. Uh, I owe you guys another live chat. I owe you guys a bunch. Um, I'm going to do some extra stuff. I'm going to just sit in my office tomorrow and be a terrible husband and father because I'm behind all my work and I'm going to get a bunch of stuff done. So if you got any questions, email me LukeThomasNews at gmail.com. Yo, I am going to have a dissected out on Monday for the love of Jesus Christ. Will you please watch it? Please. Yo, my analysis is good, man. I know it's good. I know it is good. I put tons of work into it. I spent 10 years in MMA gyms. I, kn I, have, I have some idea, I really believe this, of what I am talking about. And relative to other MMA journalists, I am, or media folks, whatever the fuck, I'm well ahead of them on this stuff. And I know I never kind of say that on this. Listen, I'm good. Please, please, go watch that last un, um, uh, dissected. If you, I, I showed it to you. I showed it to you. The proof is in the pudding. Mondays will be even better. Watch that shit, okay? And watch Morning Combat generally, all right? Thank you guys so much for watching this. I'll be back here tomorrow again for more coverage. I appreciate everyone who donated. I appreciate you tuning in. You guys are the best. And until next time, uh, for fuck's sake, <laughs> stay frosty and get some goddamn sleep, will you? <laughs>